Farmer with you on today's Iron Education, marking the start of COP28. With how does it work with kids? Relating climate change to the curriculum, speaking to not one but two educators on what's happening in classroom and out. And plus why COP28 would be really beneficial to pupils. Plus, it was beach and forest teacher Miss Autumn on hand, sharing her passion for nature talking about why nature deficiency is a very real problem, offering up some places to go, things to do this weekend to connect to our planet, plus the easy, actionable changes that you and the family can make to preserve the environment. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Horizon International School. We are weaving the environment into the curriculum and that's going to be in the traditional classroom in an hour's time with two educators. But now chatting with Miss Autumn, she is the first forest and beach school leader in the UAE. She runs educational nature sessions and is just basically the teacher that I wish I had when I was little. Miss Autumn, it's so lovely to have you with us. It is, of course, day one of COP28. And one thing that you're really passionate about is how can we care and protect our world if we're not feeling connected to it and I think that's a start in childhood tell us a little bit about I guess some of your first memories and the memories that you're creating with kids when it comes to nature hello thank you so much (laughs) for having me um so yeah I I find that really interesting when you ask people what their most fondest memory is of their childhood almost most of them is is a nature experience and I remember last time I was here you spoke about that lovely stream Roly Burn yeah and and it, it, the, 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 it's, it's so funny because as, as soon as you said I've been thinking about that a lot yeah, it was a stream that we used to go to and we'd spend hours there was like this stone that was eroded by water and it was like a little slide but other really like, like real core memories of my childhood my dad used to let mum have a lion, you know, kind of, they'd swap actually having a lion at the weekend. And he used to take us out to the field and we'd sit on hay bales and eat marmalade sandwiches. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's so simple. simple. It is the simple pleasures. And I think there's a, a few reasons why that is. But I think that obviously in our DNA and naturally as human beings, we are affiliated with nature. You know, it's in us. Um, but when we're children, we're very sensory beings. And when we're in nature, all of our senses are engaged. So you're remembering the taste of the marmalade sandwiches, the smells, and and that's why it's really important that we do spend time in nature because often when we're inside an office, there's a lot of our senses that are being dulled and dimmed Mm -hmm. down. So, yeah. So how can we practice nature connectedness? Yeah, so I I talk about nature connectedness being the pillar of sustainability that no one talks about. And the reason that I say that is because when we talk about sustainability, you know, we talk about reduce, reuse, recycle, and all of those things are amazing. But how can we um, protect a world when we we don't feel connected to it? And there are a few things that you can do, but one thing is is mindfulness. Um, so when you are going to a place of nature, it's just tuning in to what you can see, not rushing. We're always rushing and we're always asking questions we're trying to do. Just go to a place and just literally smell the flowers, take a picture and just really take in those surroundings and be present in that moment. I mean, before I got here and, you know, I could have, I was, I was early and, you know, I parked and everything like that and the sun was shining. There's some nice gardens outside and, you know, I could have just stormed in here and sat in the air conditioning, but I thought, right, let's make a conscious choice to just sit outside, be in that nature. Every minute counts. Mm -hmm. It does. And I think kind of naming and identifying those senses in those moments, you know, whether you're at the beach, you know, how does the sand feel under your feet? 
you know, what can you smell? What can you hear? Is the taste of, you know, salty air on your tongue and, and really be there? And I think our kids also move pretty fast right now. You know, we're, I know I'm guilty of this kind of packing their schedules with, you know, with ECAs and the homework is starting and just to take a pause and realise just how lucky we are to live in this part of the world and it's beautiful and it's safe and the weather's amazing and there's no better time than this weekend to head out. That's what I'm going to talk about next. Some places to go, some actionable things that you as a family can do for the good of the planet and also up next, nature deficiency. How many hours a day should children be spending outdoors? This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Horizon International School. We are going to be meeting the educators after four o'clock today and talking about how COP28 is um, actually fantastic for kids as well as world leaders and indeed the planet and how the curriculum is embracing the environment. Right now, though, we are getting out into nature. Miss Autumn is with us. She's the UA's first forest and beach school leader, really passionate about getting kids out there into the mangroves, into the desert, getting them getting them mucky. Um, nature deficiency is not a term that I was aware of until I met you, Miss Autumn. What is it and why is it important? So there, it comes from a book um, from someone called Richard Louvre and the book is called The Last Child in the Woods and it is a term that's now used sometimes to even diagnose children globally and the reason that we have to use it is because it's becoming a problem now. It was never really a problem before. And now a lot of re- research um, shows us that children are spending significantly less time outdoors than we did. So some studies show that children are spending four hours on average a week when they should be spending four hours a day outside. Um, some um, research has showed that children are spending less time outside than prison inmates. Um, Can this, I ask yeah. why does it matter? Why does it matter? Um, Because when we're outside and and, and in nature, we are building up our immune system. We are developing self-regulation skills and it is naturally in our DNA. To not go outside and be connected to nature is going against everything that we're about. Mm -hmm. And then you start to see more ADHD being um, seen in schools. Um, You see children with more mental health problems. And I do think that they're very connected. It has to be connected. Also sleeping. Sleeping, a diet. And even when when a child is outside, research shows that when a child is spending time outside, they have a better appetite. They're eating better. They're sleeping better. They're more regulated. Um, And we know that from ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, if we spent all of our time inside we would start to really feel the the effects of that. Yeah, we would. Um, yeah, and there's the thing about, it was, it was lots of like, I had a pretty idyllic country childhood. It was lots of den making and messing around in mud and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it was. and that I'm, But I feel like in, you know, in Dubai where the, the kind of lazy stereotype is, you know, tiled malls and five-star hotels and you you kind of need to, Lean in, make a choice to, to, to get into nature. And it's not as hard as you think. Let's talk pizza exercise. Every day is a school day with you, Miss Autumn. What is pizza exercise? So I actually learned this exercise from my mum, Principal Lisa, the legend. She is a so legend. So basically your day is a pizza, okay? So if you if you were to think about your day now, you draw a, you draw a circle, okay? Okay. And I want you to colour in the, the part when you're asleep. So mm-hmm. let's say that's half. And I want you to colour in the part that you're at work. Uh-huh. Okay. And then I want you to look at that and, and then colour in maybe the section where you're outside. 
And if you're looking at your whole day, it's going to be a tiny, tiny slice. It is tiny. Okay, and we can make conscious choices to change that. For example, this morning, I had to do some work on my laptop. I chose not to do it inside. I, I mean, I had the luxury and I got to go outside to the beach and I did it at Fields on the Beach. I love that little cafe. And then I went roller skating afterwards. I came can early. I have your life? No, it's not always like that. But <laughs> I came early to this meeting and I did that so that I could have some time yeah. outside. You have to build it into your day. I think... and. Exactly. That's not about let's, you know, be all kind of sound of music and skip through the mountains every day because that would be delightful. But I do. So here's an insight into my life. Um, I do the school drop off in the morning and when I can, I will go back via one of my favorite beaches, have like a little 20 minute walk on the beach when that's not possible. I can't believe I'm missing this. I, I really like there's three word puzzles that I like to do in the morning and my day feels kind of incomplete <laughs> if I haven't done them. And now the weather is so lovely. So I just sat outside and yeah, ha- had my exactly. breakfast and did. And I was on my phone. I mean, your screen was about six inches from my face, but at least I was outside. There was birdsong and bougainvillea. So if you're lucky enough to have a garden or a balcony, that is available to you. Yeah, use it exactly and I th- I really appreciate what you said there about the, the lazy stereotype and actually I think it doesn't matter if it's it's a park and it's 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 been built and it's surrounding by build- buildings you're still reaping the same benefits when mm. you're next to a tree you've got more oxygen than you would be if you weren't next to a tree so it doesn't matter if that tree has an irrigation system it's still a tree it's still a park so don't be choosy and and you just reap the benefits, really. Let's talk about some of your favourite places to go. You've got a brilliant list. You need to put this list on somewhere we can share it. I know. You should. <laughs> I you, should. Can you do a post on Instagram tonight? I will. Okay. Just do a little list. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because I think it's easy to forget. Can we do a quick rundown? I wish I had some kind of like top of the pops music I could play, but <laughs> Miss Tell us. Let's. I'll hand it over to you. Give me some of your faves. Um, can I just quickly mention before that is just really, but when you are going to these places, please be mindful that we have to love the place that we're in and we have to treat them with love and respect. And, you know, it's it's fine to share these lists. And I follow a lot of accounts, uh, accounts that don't always show the location. And the reason that we don't do that is because sometimes I go and it's covered in rubbish. So yep. please, when you go, love it, treasure it. OK, um, like it's a part of you. So. Mushrif Park, it has indigenous trees. It has a lot of gaff trees and local plants and flora and fauna, which I love. And that's in Al Hawanij. Got a new hiking track. Yes. Love it. Yet. My husband has, but it's on my list. Um, Safa Park, it's just an OG. I love it. They have Arabian chipmunks. You can run. I mean, take your shoes off and just run in there. It's, it's massive. And you've got banyan trees that people have um, carved their names into. Uh, yeah, Safa Park. Um, Media City Park, if you're in Marina. Like, if you actually look at Dubai, there's there's clusters of these little urban green spaces, so use them. Um, Dubai Creek, um, I actually love going on an Abra. You can often see migrating geese there, so that's nature too, and it's, like, really, like, authentic and raw local nature. Um uh, Ras Al Khor is the wildlife sanctuary. You've got flamingos there. Al Qudra. I mean, everyone knows Al Qudra, but it's beautiful dunes and it's it's really accessible. So I've been to like places like Liwa, these big dunes. They're amazing. But with children, you need something that you can just exactly. If it all goes if it all, if it all goes wrong, you can just bundle them in the car and you're not <laughs> worrying about you know reinflating your tires. <laughs> yeah. So um, Abu Dhabi, you've got mangroves, you've got Jabal um, mangrove walk, and it's it's elevated and it's just stunning. Go there at sunset or sunrise. 
um, Omar Quain, they've got mangroves. You've even got Kite Beach Centre. I just love the vibe there. You can stay in one of the huts on the beach. Yeah. The um, the mangroves in Omar Quain, we did a, kayak, a kids kayaking trip through it, which was brilliant. And we saw loads of flamingos there. Yeah. I wish I could remember the name of the company that did it. I booked it through Kids Up. But yes, you can kayak through the mangroves in Omar Quain. And it was fab. Yeah, and mangroves are incredible. They have amazing, amazing ecosystems. If you were just to stay in the mangroves and just stop for a minute and look underneath, you would see all of the roots. You would see crabs, hermit crabs, different types of crabs. So pause, have a look. Um, Wadi Shees, um, I love Wadi Shees. It has an ancient irrigation system. It's in Fajera. Really easy trail for kids and educational. Am I saying this right? Is it, is it a fillage? It is a fillage. <laughs> such a good word. <laughs> Sorry, that's my only bit of knowledge I have in an Arabic. That's reminding me of, is it called a flange pattern or whatever in they friends. call it? In Friends. Yeah. It's a phalange. <laughs> yeah, so that's that one. Um, Wadi Shaka, again, a really um, a common spot but please treat it with with love and respect go after it rains because there's all these pools there Um, and get a Dubai off-roading book for me I just sort of jump in the car and you can do this as a family and go out there and just explore and find your own little spots I just revealed to Miss Autumn earlier that that's the book I wrote I came over and wrote the Dubai off-road book and I love it that's why I know how to drive off-road now which we are going to talk about on another show (laughs) because we want to get women in the dunes (laughs) yes we do next um, and so we've got um, Emirates Marine Environmental Group. That's in Jebel Ali. So I volunteer there. It's a conservation site. Um, it is a protected site. but And you can go on the website to try and get involved in some of their beach cleanups there. Um, Black Palace Beach. We know that. Uh, some people call it <laughs> Secret Beach. Fajera Dibba Rock. In, near Dibba Rock, there's a cafe called Turtle Cafe. And there's always turtles there wherever I go. Ooh. Yeah. Um Kite Beach, obviously. Um, I like, I don't know if this is allowed, but you know, on, on the crescent, on the palm, there's all of those rocks. Mm-hmm. On the, I love just sitting on those. And like sometimes take children down there and we just have a climb Aww. on the rocks. Lovely. It's just there. Um, Hatterdam. That's just to name a few. That, but. And I, I, you need to do a proper post on this. Okay. You, re- <laughs> you really do. I just want to give a bit of a shout out to my daughter. Don't know if she's listening now, but she's doing her scuba diving tomorrow and she's doing her first one in the sea so she's going to be there with Chloe at the Jebel Ali Resort and uh, just a brilliant way of seeing nature in a different way. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer with Horizon International School. We are going to be talking about how the environment is being woven into the curriculum and why COP28 can be great for our kids. Right now, though, in conversation with a fantastic Miss Autumn. A number of you asking for her details. It's Miss Autumn Says on Instagram. And if you want that, you can just send me the word nature and I'd be happy to send you the link. Um, Taking your questions and your memories. um, And Warren, you've got a question for Miss Autumn regarding kids and nature. How can we help, sir? Yeah, hi, good evening. Good afternoon, ladies. Um, The question is, is there a correlation between kids not being outside with uh, a noticeable increase in kids being scared of animals, even something like uh, a tame house cat or, or something small like a praying mantis? Mm, good question. Is there a correlation? 100%, and especially with insects as well. And it's obvious as to why that would be is because if you're not exposed to something frequently, you're going to feel like it's unusual. Um, you, you don't want to trust that experience. And what I would say to help combat that is just try to get a, as much exposure as you can, but in a way where the child's comfortable. So something I actually do is I collect insects and I put them in jars. I know, 
balmy, but I, I love it. <laughs> and I have cockroaches in jars. I have beetles in jars. And um, the children handle them. And sometimes they don't even want to be next to me when I'm handling the jar. Sometimes they don't even want to touch it. But slow, slow I- I- exposure. I have toddlers coming to my class shaking the jar, opening it, smelling it. So be curious and also name it and find out cool facts. So if you find a praying mantis, take a picture, go home, watch a YouTube video, find out some cool facts, and then you start to actually appreciate that, that living thing for what it is and, and build a relationship. Does that help, Warren? And if you, if you want a kitten, there's one living in our garage, I'd be very happy to drop it over to you. Uh, no, thanks. My wife's already adopted four. Oh, okay. Well, what's one more? <laughs> thanks, Warren. Great question, and I hope that helps. And uh, lovely to hear from you guys on the, uh, on the phone line. You can give us a shout, 04871 Now, it is, of course, day one of COP28, and I think, in honesty, a lot of the issues that are you know, being discussed on air and, of course, there at the Expo site feel like very big, intangible, insurmountable problems. And I think what you do so well, and you've done workshops on this about easy recycling for families. Can you give us some things that we can be doing, some companies that we should know about, Autumn, that can help us feel like we're contributing to the planet and also educating our kids on the topic too? Yes, so I I totally agree. I think sustainability, the actual word itself, is so frequently used, coined heavily. And especially for children, if you ask children or a lot of adults, what does it actually mean? Mm. People don't really know how to define it. It's kind of lost a bit of meaning and it means different things to different Mm -hmm. people. So it is, I think, bringing it home and making it feel tangible, bringing it literally home. Exactly. So when you break apart the word with the child, okay, sustain, what does that mean? That means keeping something going, okay? And ability, sustainability, ability means an ability to do it. I'm good at doing it. I can do it. So sustain, doing something and keeping something going for a long time and and being good at that. And what we're talking about with that is in regards to in in regards to our earth. So what can we do to keep our earth going really for a longer time, okay? And one of that is is recycling for sure. So one of my actual connections and friends, one of the children that comes to my classes, his um dad runs an amazing app called Re R E. And what's he called? His, he's called Danny. Okay. Do you know? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I and I met him through this. this is why I love what I do because I, I meet the people that you know, um, like minded. And um, so, what the app is is he is really passionate about making sure that your recycling goes to the right place because sometimes recycling can actually go to lots of different places. It can go abroad, and you don't know what necessarily is happening to that mm. recycling. So, what he does is he really gate gate keeps that and he has a team they come to your house they pick it up and then they sort it and then they tell you on your app how many you know grams per per um you know per plastic or or whatever um that you're actually um achieving and you get rewards and um i really love that concept because people feel like you know they don't know how to recycle here yeah. and i really like that he's made that more accessible and also incentivization you know yes. it's basically the grown-up equivalent of a sticker chart and who doesn't <laughs> who, who doesn't love that um what about things like food waste and composting and things like that yeah so i love the waste lab follow them on instagram um so they are really about making um waste cool um and and they take you know your garden waste and they turn it into a 
beautiful compost and they're really transparent about how they do that so give them a follow and you can actually compost at home so I used to do this at, at school um, you can get kits on Amazon and you basically have this like bucket and you fill it with a little bit of sawdust and other things you put in your your um, garden waste you uh, not uh, your food waste you seal it so it doesn't smell anything like that and then you keep adding to it mixing it and you layer it up and also it's very seasonal so um, you wouldn't be perhaps maybe using your compost in some times of the year when the weather is not you know so great because it can be a bit smelly but it's about I think you take a you make a green um, diary so you have a diary of what you plan to grow that year and maybe things don't work or they do and you you diarize it and then you're using your compost in a routine mm-hmm. um, and like I said it's just about building that into your family systems and your routines and like you said making it small so often we try and do so much of everything and we, we're overloaded we're like oh you know there's so many things that we need to do for sustainability actually bring it back just choose one thing that you're going to do well and that by, might be buying less product, uh, plastic mm-hmm. so you're reducing you're, you're talking in a family and you're making a mission statement and you're like look this is what we're going to focus on this month only focus on that you know, and it could be anything from, I mean, kids grow like weeds, but it could be, you know, sorting clothes out, making sure they're going to a charity. I know Thrift for Good right now are looking for clothes, um, whether that's selling them for great charities or indeed donating them to Gaza right now. So Thrift for Good, pay them a visit, you know, clearing out some things before Christmas is a really good time as well. Mending clothes. There are there is a, an awful lot we can be doing. We've had so many people asking for your details. What is the best way of getting in touch with you, whether it is about, you know, beach and forest school or some of the tips we've been talking about today, Autumn, because we've run out of time. Oh, yeah, just um, send me a DM on Instagram. It's at Miss Autumn Says. And, you know, I'm, I'm full of, I'm just brimming with passion on this <laughs> subject. So please just send me a DM and I'd be happy to, you know, connect. Thank you so, so much. If you want to send me the word nature, I'll make it even easier. You can send me a tree emoji, whatever you like, um, and I will send you the link for Miss Autumn. Thank you so much. It's um, it's just an absolute treat, and we'll we're going to go out in the June soon, right? Yeah, we're going to go driving. We're looking. We're tell. Go on. Okay. <laughs> What's the account called? I've do. I've only just started it. It's called June Looks Like a Lady because you know that song. Ah, ah, June looks like a lady. <laughs> June looks like a lady. Right. Yeah. We are. Anyway. We're going to get some women out off roading. You're an absolute superstar, and thank you so so much. <laughs> Um, and we're going to keep the conversation going at, of course, day one of COP28. And we're talking about really bringing our kids into the conversation. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Horizon International School. And we, of course, are marking the first day of COP28. And there is no denying it's our kids who are going to be the next influential forces in our increasingly changing world. From global movements, local policy, to what we do at home, we need our young minds to be informed and prepared to take on the fight to protect our planet. So what's happening in schools and beyond? Lydia Grundy with us today from Ranchers Primary School. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. How are you? I'm really well. Um, really, really well. It's so lovely to hear about what's, you know, what we can do at home. And I think it's really encouraging to think about what's happening in schools because this is a whole, got to be a whole team approach, you know, teachers, parents. And actually, I'm learning an awful lot from my kids about the environment. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what you do at Ranchers Primary School and maybe some of the initiatives that are you're spearheading as part of COP28 and climate change education, Lydia? 
Yeah, of course. So I'm the sustainability lead at Ranches Primary School. So my role, my role involves spearhead initiatives that promote environmental awareness and sustainability, both inside school and in local communities. And just like you said, like, it's all about collaboration, working with each other. So regarding COP28 and climate change in education, we are actively engaging in raising awareness and understanding amongst our students and staff. So we've been integrating the climate change education organising awareness campaigns, participating in events. We recently um, participated in the CNN News competition where the children um, made a piece of artwork and promoted the issues we're facing and then also gave advice on how we can maybe reduce that. Um, we believe it's crucial to equip the younger generation with the knowledge and motivation to contribute to a sustainable future. As you said, they are the they are the future of our ever-changing world, so we believe that it's really important. It is, and the conversation's changed so much, you know, since I was at school, where, you know, I mean, sustainability, I think I only really heard about it properly in the last kind of five to ten years, and some of the school trips we went on, I mean, we went to sewage works, for example. Uh, we did a lot of, you know, traipsing around uh, rotting piles of, you know, Romans and, and things like that, and now it seems like the environment is really woven throughout the curriculum and, you know, and beyond. And it's what I find really interesting, and I'd love to hear from an educator's point of view, is like how we talk to our children and empower them rather than scaring them, if that makes sense. So how do you kind of toe that line, both within that community and and beyond? So we we encourage them to participate in eco-friendly initiatives throughout the school. So it's kind of like second nature to them. Like with waste reduction programs, we have like recycling centres outside the front of the school, within the school. So it's really getting that link with the community. Our, our school's very, very much a community mm. and a lot of children will walk or cycle to school instead of getting in the car. And yeah, energy, energy conservation efforts. Um, we were in the next term, the younger year groups, so year two, they are actually creating their own hydroponic garden wow. in our school garden just, just to so that they're aware of like, just minor changes we can do mm-hmm. to be more sustainable and like carry that on throughout their home life and I think I mean using that garden as an example I think that visibility is really important you know for kids to see something growing or you know for for children to see recycling bins on on campus it's just needs to be the norm now rather than it being here we are you know this term we're learning about the environment it's just it's got to be part and parcel of really you know being in school um we're going to be talking next about that cnn initiative and there's some of the programs that are happening um around school this is eye on education on afternoons with helen farmer with horizon international school We are talking about what's happening in schools to inspire climate change action out of schools. And joining us from Ranchers Primary School is Lydia Grundy. Tell us a little bit about some of the partnerships and collaborations. I know you're working a lot with some local organisations and businesses to really bring some of that climate change education home, Lydia. What's happening? Yeah, so we do have a sustainability squad in our school and this is a group of year six students. So they're actually going to Expo for COP28 next week. Yay! Um, I know, very exciting. Um, We're also looking at getting um, businesses in to do workshops, especially with the younger students, because we've got children in nursery and like really, really young children. So we're trying to get them to also be a bit more mindful of sustainability, even from that young age mm-hmm. um, so it's more hands-on work workshops so that the children can really experience it we do have like a um 
area outside, which is all recyclable materials for the nursery children for the, from 18 months up to two. Um, and they can really explore with recycling. So we, we're working a lot with businesses to promote that throughout the school. Junk modelling. That was always the request from nursery being like, bring in, bring in your cardboard boxes. Happily, happily. Yeah. Here's some, here's some oh. toilet <laughs> tubes. Go wild, kids. Let's see what you can upcycle with that. Um, what about attitudes? You, I know it's really hard to measure this, but, you know, as an educator, are you noticing whether it's conversations or actions from students as a result of some of this education towards climate change? Yeah, so the integration of climate change in education has yielded positive results through the children. We've got our wellbeing garden, which I mentioned earlier, and we're actually planting like vegetables and using that in the school dinners. That That's our aim. Mm. To, so the children are responsible and accountable for looking after the plants for their school lunches. And um, so the, the, the students have shown increased awareness of the issues that we're facing and have become more conscious of their ecological footprint footprint Mm -hmm. we've observed like a a really big shift in attitudes actively engaging in sustainable practices through the recycling through looking after the garden and through actually energy conservation as well within the school so it's really encouraging to see them take ownership of their role as collaboratively to combat climate change and advocating for a more sustainable future and i think that comes home as well you know I, i i love it when my kids want to teach me things you know mummy did you know um, my daughter did a module on, you know, kind of preserving the environment for the orangutans last year. And we'll still go around the house and be like, Daddy shouldn't be buying this or this toothpaste is not good. It's got palm oil. And, you know, you're not thinking about the orangutans, Dad. And, you know, she, it's, it's a great little boost of their confidence to think that they can teach us things that, that we don't know. Um, yeah, and it's a memorable experience exactly. for them. Yeah. What about supporting teachers then? You know, this it's it's as I'm starting to realise as we talk more and more about COP28, it is a big world of information and it's a fast changing one. And trying to stay on top of it um, can feel a bit overwhelming. So how how are you kind of empowering the teachers really to to stay involved and you know keep keep plugged into those climate change issues and integrating relevant content as well? Yes, we foster a collaborative environment where teachers can share best practices and innovative teaching methods related to climate change education. So to to support our educators, we ensure that they effectively integrate relevant and current content into their teaching. Like we're we're trying more to have like project-based learning on sustainable practices. So I think what sustainability is one of them, one of the topics where it's constantly, you, you can you can develop it consistently throughout. So it's like different practices, sharing best practices is really how teachers stay in the know of the issues that we're facing and how as a school we're combating that. Trying to stay relevant. Yeah. yeah. And making it fun. You know, no one likes feeling like they're being lectured to or or patronised. You know, it's about integrating some of these conversations all the way through. And as as you said, you know, everything from growing veggies that are going to be in their school lunchboxes to letting them be the ones spearheading through, you know, eco groups. I think it's it's really encouraging, to be honest. It really is to hear what's what's being done on campus. And Lydia, thank you so much for your time. Um, we are staying with the educators um, and finding out more about the positive impact of COP28 on the people specifically. Leo Grundy speaking to us from Ranchers Primary School. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Horizon International School. We are, of course, marking the start of COP28. And it's really interesting to think about how this relates to our children or how we can relate it to our children. I think an awful lot of people, and I, I unfortunately count myself in that, when we think about climate change, it feels 
full of fear and it can feel disempowering. Whereas it's the younger generations who are so full of ideas and recognising opportunities and coming up with solutions. And that's something we're really fostering on the show today with Charlotte Greaves, the Deputy Head of Prep at Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Charlotte, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Great I'm to very have you well. with us. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about relating the idea of COP to our children and also talking about the benefits. You know, what opportunities does it offer when we think about you know, of course, the education side, but also their sense of well, their personal growth, their sense of purpose. Would you mind speaking to us about that for, with your educator hat on? Yeah, I mean, firstly, how amazing to have, you know, the conference of parties coming to Dubai here and, and being, you know, really immersed in it. I think that's that's one of the first things for our children to know that it's actually happening in the country that they're living in, which is fantastic. I think for us, it's about gaining that deeper understanding of the world issues um, and making sure that um, the educational um, environment is really, really at the forefront. Mm -hmm. We already do it at school here as part of our curriculum. If you know our school, we've got an amazing building that's very, very sustainable. But this this is about our children being able to actually criti critically think about things and solve problems around, you know, a real life situation that's here. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is also, you know, so important that they're going to see real life world leaders having those conversations. It's incredible. My, uh, my six-year-old, she was like, mummy. Did you know that King Charles is coming to Dubai? And he has, he's landed. I've seen a video, he's at the University of Wollongong um, giving out some, some waves and some chats. And I think that that it is, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing to think about some of the conversations that are going to be taking place. And sometimes on the stage, but sometimes behind closed doors. And I mean, I find that pretty mind-blowing as, as a grown-up, never mind as a child. Mm, mm, absolutely. Um, I, I think something that we're really proud of as educators is we're always encouraging our children to be leaders in the classroom, to be leaders across the community um, and really just bringing to life those real life issues. Mm -hmm. um, I had a wonderful, wonderful um, conversation with one of our children the other day and um, uh, Zaria is her name and I mean, she summed it up for me so well. She, she just said, um, this is our future after all. Mm -hmm. And to just really, it's really encouraging to have that on our doorstep and know that we can actually, we have almost permission to ask questions about it. And we have, um, you know, it's such an important subject. Um, they actually did a mock CNN um, video about it. And it was just, that was before we even know that that was coming. So oh. it's, it's about our children um, having that permission to say actually we want to ask questions about this this is our future after all mm -hmm. and sometimes that is to do with you know holding other people accountable holding their peers accountable coming up with ideas and solutions and um, what about the educational side of cop 28 what opportunities are there for you know enhancing their understanding of sustainable practices big issues that seem almost sometimes too big to grasp how can we root it back to something they can really take home in action 
so um, some of our children are going um, next Wednesday, which is fantastic. So they're going to get the opportunity to actually become part of debating, um, actually ask um, those critical questions from their point of view. As you said earlier, um, children ask the best questions. And as educators, if children are asking questions, we know we're getting it right because they will they they will not st stand back. Um, Adults do. We, we put a filter up, don't we? Um, so in, in our school, it's really, really, um, we know we're doing that great job because the children are asking questions. Mm -hmm. They're questioning us. So we encourage that in our lessons. So for them to be able to go over and actually put that into practice with what I would say real people because they see us and, as teachers every day <laughs> and to, to feel confident to do that I think just to to build children's confidence is, is so important and then that other part of that is is their em empathy you know mm. what does that look like and then when they get you know when they're in front of people and they're maybe not getting the answers that they want to hear building that resilience you're not going to hear this you know these are real people that you're not practicing with in the classroom this is an opportunity to build your resilience as well and actually push back and and maybe not get it right and all of those things that we're actually practicing in the classroom I, I can't wait to hear all about it when they come back on oh, on Wednesday be brilliant Charlotte Greaves is with us the deputy head of prep at Royal Grammar School Guildford Dubai um what about thinking about past school, you know, opportunities for study or even career. You know, we think about climate change as often kind of doom and gloom, but actually the opportunities are opened up in terms of industries and job opportunities. Have you seen a bit of an uptick from from students about, oh, well, I could do that? Yeah, and, I, you know, uh, it's it's we always talk about um, the future with our children because actually um, and we talk about being world ready. Children don't know what jobs there are. So to be able to actually go to something like this and see that, you know, actually I could maybe work in this industry. I'm, I'm, I'm learning about it in school. I understand what it means. Even, even creating that pathway for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we haven't got GCSEs here at the moment and we're working towards that. And, and it's really important for our children to say, well, actually, if I want to go into this field, I'm going to have to go down this pathway and having those conversations with them. Um, and it's just, you know, I think it's more about the skills that they're taking forward yeah. into those um, real life situations and building up those learning skills that are going to take them beyond the classroom, beyond an exam mm -hmm. and taking them into these environments where it's it's fast paced. It's it's, high, you know, high, high decision making needs to happen and, and just building those skills within our children is so important, but also giving them, again, the permission to say, actually, that job isn't there yet, but I feel there's a need for it because I saw it in action yes. here when I was 12 years old. Exactly. Inventing, creating, innovating. And, and crucially, whether it is in the classroom or, you know, Expo City at COP28 or indeed at home with us as parents, just really Absolutely. fostering and encouraging this passion for the planet because, it, you know, as... Zaria said, you know, it, it, it's, it's in their hands and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping those, those hands are going to be very safe indeed and, you know, certainly a lot of enthusiasm from the students that I've met. And I just want to say a huge thank you really for, for keeping that conversation going. I think it's a, it's a big responsibility for you as educators and, and also for us as parents. There's got to be this collaborative approach. There's no point in them coming home saying, you know, dad, I learned this and dad being like, all right, more like, 
oh, that's fantastic. What you know, Would you have any ideas about what we can be doing at home to buy less plastic, to recycle, to compost, to, you know, reduce what we're buying. Um, because it has to be it has to be a whole a whole person approach. Thank you so much, yes. Charlotte. Thank you. It, Thank you so much for having us I again. Hope the kids, <laughs> hope the kids have an absolutely brilliant time. I mean, what an opportunity. What a thing for the resume. My gosh. Um, and to, to spark some fantastic ideas that they can bring back to the classroom for projects and indeed into the wider world and beyond. Charlotte Greaves is the Deputy Head of Prep at the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai.